There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you for tuning into the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We're certain to thank each one of you that take time to listen each day. And uh, this Daily Doctrine Devotional, we're back in the book of Job. Now, we've been there mostly pretty consistently through the last couple of months, but we took a little bit of a break over the youth week just because of our busy schedule, and I plugged a few of the things in there, but Lord will it will be in the book of Job until its continuance, and then which time we'll seek what we need to do next. We're going to be in Job chapter 35 today, and again, thank you for this new week. Thank you for each of you that support us, pray for us, contact us about the ministry. Uh, we certainly appreciate that. And as we continue this book of Job, we're going to begin to talk again talking about Elihu. And Elihu's a great man. And just because he's young, just because he rebukes his elders, does not mean that he's any way diminished in his greatness. And he's a great man before God. Uh, he speaks as he's moved by the Holy Ghost. He speaks the what God would have him to speak. And thank God for it. Thank God for Elihu. Some of the greatest wisdom found the word of God is in the lips of Elihu. And I've heard men that have not understood Elihu. They've not understood his words. They've discredited him being young, which is why Paul told the young Timothy to not let no man despise thy youth. And they discredit his youth, and therefore they can dismiss the words of Elihu. And that's a danger to anyone that's listening. It's a danger to dismiss his words. We need to take heed to his words. He spake as a man of God. He spake as at the oracles of God. And he spake as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. And he spake moreover... This is in chapter 35, verse 1, and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidst, My righteousness is more than God's? Then it's impossible. We cannot have righteousness more than God's. And yet Job speaks of his righteousness, and Job was speaking of his relationship with God. And really, Job spake outside of the realm of where he needed to speak. And I've been there personally. I thought more of myself than what God did, certainly thought more of myself than what others thought, or thought more of my righteousness than what God thought of my righteousness. In fact, the only righteousness I have ever had is in his dear son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing in myself. I can't have enough standards. I can't have a high enough level of conduct outside of his dear son. He said, for thou saidst, what advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? And yet there's great profit to being cleansed from your sin. And that's where a lot of people in the world today are, by the way. Their idea that their sin is okay. What, what benefit is there? What profit is there? Well, you know, if a man is purged from drunkenness, the fact that he's not beholding strange women, uh, the fact that he's not vomiting, the fact that he doesn't have a hangover, there's a great benefit to that. There's a great profit. Just in the, in the physical realm, there's a profit to that. The addict that gives up booze is a great profit to him giving up booze. And then uh, the drug addict giving up his pipes and giving up his needles. And there's a great benefit. It's a great profit to him. But more so spiritually, when you're cleansed from your sin, what a great profit. What a great benefit that is. The burden is gone. The weight is gone. The guilt is gone. 
And therefore, it is greatly profitable to us if we are cleansed, if we are washed. In verse 4, he said, I will answer thee and thy companions with thee. And then here's how Elihu answers them in this matter of righteousness, this matter of who is right with God, who is not right with God, if you will. That's modern terminology. But he said, look out of the heavens and see and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? And the reality is that Job prophesied of Jesus Christ. And then somewhere in there, he got righteous. He got too righteous, uh, spake too highly of himself. And Elihu, with all gentleness, with all meekness, is reproving him, rebuking him by the Spirit of God. And he's uh, speaking to him on this wise. Well, I like what he says, if thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Well, it's that great transgression. David said against thee and thee only have I sinned. That's where our sin is against God. A lot of people feel guilty about sin against their spouse or sin against a neighbor or sin against their children. But really, it's a sin against God. And that's what we need to be concerned with. A lot of people purge at the altars. They weep and cry and uh, blowing snot, slinging boogers everywhere because they've gone to the altar and they're right with God. But they just feel guilty about hurting somebody or guilty about that one they love, guilty about an act they've committed. But yet that sin is against God. Until it's reconciled to God, we bear the guilt of it. We bear the weight of that thing. And then he goes on, and he says, If thou transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? What in the world can I offer God in my righteousness? Here's my hands, Lord, all oh, they've touched unclean things. Here's my feet, Lord, they've gone unclean places. Here's my mind, Lord, it's thought unclean thoughts. Here's my belly, it's been filled with all manner of uncleanness. You know, and so where, what am I going to offer God in my own righteousness? What am I going to offer God in the being of who I am? That's why the slanderer is in damnation already, because he slanders those and without thinking of his own plight and his own life and his own uh, discontent and his own bitterness, he just slanders those. And one of the great tragedies that I see more and more today is there's people that think that their manner of dress, their manner of living, how they act. They think that it makes them better than somebody else. It's a great danger. When we realize that we've done anything outside of God, we're in danger. It's him. It's a work of Jesus Christ and nothing else. I come off for him my filthy hands. That's my righteousnesses. That's filthy rags. I come off for him the cleanness and say, Lord, I've showered. I've scrubbed myself. Take my body. Make my body a living sacrifice. And he'll say, no, your body's filled with uncleanness. What does he need? And he's purged by his son, cleansed by his son. Am I a prophet to God in myself? Am I a prophet to God in my own righteousness? No, he said it's filthy rags. Therefore, it's not profitable, God. It cannot be profitable to God. And so what receiveth he of thine hand? What's God going to receive from me? You know, even in the matter of giving, what we call giving today, what is God going to receive of us? What does God need of us? Well, he just needs us to sacrifice there's a lot of folks that will give, but they never sacrifice. There's a lot of folks who give their time, but they never sacrifice. They never go without. Family still comes first, and the world still comes first, and their affairs still come first, and the ball game comes first, and the sports come first, and they never consider that Jesus Christ must be first in their life because they've never considered their need for Jesus Christ to be first. They feel so with their families ahead of God, and it's bringing damnation to their children, damnation to their grandchildren. There's people that put their love of sport ahead of God, and again, it's bringing damnation to their families. They can't see that. We're in a day when men don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to give. Uh, they don't want to go outside. There. They want comfort. They want ease. They don't know what it's like to be without today. There are many people today that do not know what it's like to be without. 
I know a few people in salvation, with salvation, uh, that speak of being raised with a silver spoon in their mouth. They never knew what it was like to be in poverty. They never knew what it was like to be destitute. They never knew what it was like. They knew how to be a whore and a drug addict and a liar and a fraud and a phony and have murder in their heart and all of those things. But they didn't know how to be destitute. They didn't know how to be without. Yet there are those that are without. They're just as vile as those that were raised in the golf course and raised on mansions and raised uh, with money. They're just as vile. Why? Because they're without faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. He says, by reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out of by reason of the arm of the mighty. So again, he speaks of the oppressed. And that's one of those great themes throughout the Bible, something that each of us needs to run through the scriptures, that oppressed. What does it mean to be an oppressor? What does it mean to be oppressed? Who are the oppressed? I'm not going to deal with that too much on this because I'll get caught up and not be here 45 minutes. They cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty, but none saith, where is God my maker? Who giveth songs in the night? And what a joy it is to know that he giveth songs in the night. It's an ongoing tense, by the way. That's not a one-time event. It's not that he gave songs or is giving songs. No, it's ongoing, giveth, G-I-V-E-T-H. He gave songs in the night. Yesternight, he gives songs in the night tonight. He'll give songs in the night tomorrow night. That's our faithful Savior. What a wonderful Savior. What a glory it is to know. But he, they, none saith, where is God, my maker? Why? Because they know where God is. And what we're weighing now is we're weighing our righteousness against God's righteousness. Do I have his righteousness? Or do I have my own righteousness? Somebody recently made a statement concerning those that lost, those that have professed that they're lost without Christ. And a couple of things have been said in the last three or four weeks to me and and, and personally to the pastor of the Black Creek Baptist Church there. And, uh, you know, people say, well, why don't they just get saved? And, you know, what they really mean is why don't they just make a profession of faith or why don't they go through the motions? Why don't they repeat the prayer? Why don't they just say what they need to say? Why don't they call upon God? But the reality is they cannot call upon him in whom they have not believed. And until they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the only way they're going to believe is they got to repent. They got to come to the end of themselves, come to the end of their ways, the end of their thinking, and receive God's ways and God's thinking. And then saving faith comes, and that by that faith cannot come. You cannot believe God without faith. Those may say they believe God. They might say, I believe the word of God, but they don't believe him by faith. They don't believe him according to his marvelous inward work. They don't believe him according to the miracle of the new birth. I look back as a young Christian, and I began to read my Bible about the first year I was saved. I began to read my Bible much more stringently than I did. I read it almost every day after I first got saved, and I realized I needed to read it more and more and more. And I got to the place that I was consuming it several times a year. And I'd read the word of God, and I'd boast him, just stating a very simple fact. Every child of God needs to immerse themselves in the word of God. But I began to learn. And I finally came a point in time, I realized this learning is not in my intellect. This learning is not in mine abilities. This learning is of the Holy Ghost. He is my teacher. And he's the one that giveth those songs in the night. He's the one that's wise in the night. He's the one that has given me any wisdom. If I have any wisdom, therefore, he's given me all things. He's given me sanctification. He's given me justification. He's given me righteousness. He's given me robes for those rags. He's given me the ring. He's given me the fatted calf. And I just go on and on the benefits of knowing him. And then he goes on and says in verse 11, who teacheth us more than the beasts of the earth, and maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven. That's our maker. That's the Lord God. There they cry, but none giveth answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. 
one of the great problems with the hypocrite, one of the great problems with the self-righteous, is that God does not hear their vanity. It's just emptiness. It's shallow. It's fake. I know people that pretend like they have a burden for people, but they're only burdened about certain individuals. They don't carry a broad brush burden for sinners. They don't give a, have a burden for people that aren't on the on the likable scale. They don't have a burden for people that aren't clean. They don't have a burden for people that are unholy. They don't have a burden for people that their families are all out of order. No, they only have a burden for people they really like to be saved because they'd like them to stick around. And they might have ulterior motives. They want their son to get married or their daughter to get married. And they want their life to change. They want you know something to take place. And they got, they got ulterior motives with God. Why? Because they're self-righteous. That's all that is. It's vanity. God doesn't hear that. God's not listening to that because he knows the heart. And that heart that speaketh those imbecilic things, and that's not a good Bible word, but it's a good word. And it is imbecilic to think that we'd come to God with our righteousness, with our desires, and with our lofty aspirations, and with our goals, and then demand that God perform for us. And we're dragging God down to our level and our carnality and gives vanity to him. God's not going to regard that. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him, therefore trust thou in him. That's his reproof. So you're, God's not hearing these things. When you think you're right with God and just with God, just about that time you'll find out how far from God you really are. The only thing that makes a difference is his son, but even those that have his son can be far distant from God. They can be far away from God. I, I know the man personally that wrote Footprints of the Sand, it's an author unknown for many years. He confided in preachers that knew him, and many preachers knew him. And he just said he wrote that poem. He never knew what happened to it. All of a sudden, it's being published in all the major, major magazines and books. And he didn't want royalties from it. He was just a humble servant of God. And yet he wrote that poem, Footprints in the Sand. And I remember at a meeting one time, and he was quoting his poetry. He used to preach in prose. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a wonderful thing. There's nobody else like him that I ever heard doing that. And he quoted the footprints in the sand, and he went through his prose of that. But then I remember the next preacher got up behind him and said, well, I wish that was my life. But he said, I don't see the footprints in the sand like that. He said, I see one set of footprints, and I see another set of footprints way, way, way far away on another hill. And he said, that's me over there. And there's Jesus Christ walking. He wasn't carrying me. I was distant from him. And then my path occasionally crosses him, and I'd be distant. And he preached on being filled with the Spirit. It was a wonderful message on being filled with the Spirit, walking with God, having that relationship with God, having that closeness with God. It's missing in so many lives today. Why? Because we're not teaching that fullness of Christ, that fullness of the Spirit, that fullness in that walk with God. Therefore, he goes on, but now it's not so. He hath visited in his anger, yet he knoweth that not in great extremity. Therefore, doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. What is the summary of this chapter? It's the work of God versus the works of the flesh. It's the work of God versus works of righteousness, which I have done. It's all him and nothing of me. Therefore, it is his work to complete. He began that good work. He will fulfill that good work. He will complete that good work as he sees fit to do. But do you have that good work in you? Or you just have the works that you've conjured up? Do you have that relationship with God where you demand that God do things for you, yet without holiness, without godliness, the vanity of praying, the vanity of prayer, hoping your life gets better, hoping your children's lives get better. That's where most people's prayer life is, by the way. Just hoping they have a better life. 
They want to be more comfortable. They want to be more at ease. They want things to be easier for them. That's where most people's prayer life. That's why there's no burden for people today. That's why there's no burden for folks today. Take what you can for this podcast. I hope it's a help. It's a blessing. Lord, we'll be back on here tomorrow and be back in the book of Job. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning And he longs to return to the Lord As he cries for forgiveness and mercy God is waiting You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal. Child has come home.